Welcome to Anthropology of Girlhood, a girlhood podcast about the dangers of nostalgia. I'm Alexa Ray Hack. I'm a comedian and storyteller, and I use she, her pronouns. My name is Micah Silver, and I'm an elementary educator, and I use they, them pronouns. Today we're adventuring into a new director, talking about Sofia Coppola. This is her directorial debut from 1999, The Virgin Suicides, based on a book of the same title. Big trigger warning for this movie, it does what it says on the tin. There's a suicide very early, and then basically the whole rest of the movie revolves around it. So if that's not a thing you want to deal with, I don't recommend you listen to this episode or watch this movie. Yeah, if it is something that you think you can handle, it's definitely worth a watch. Yeah. It was a good movie, and I enjoyed it, but it's it's not light. Yeah, definitely not light. Basically, the plot of this movie is after the youngest of a group of sisters commits suicide, the rest of the sisters fall under increased scrutiny, which leads to increased isolation, which leads to increased unhappiness. So... Follow us on Twitter at Anthro267. Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps so much. And as always, thank you and enjoy. I was not prepared. I guess I should have been because of the title of this movie, but like I was not prepared for there to be a suicide attempt in the opening sequence. Yeah. Of this movie. That was I whew boy. Like And like a pretty graphic one at yeah, that. This is the same reason I never watched Midsummer. Yeah. Was because like that opening scene. The of opening Midsummer. scene was like I got to turn this off. This is fucking horrible. Yeah. How did anybody get through this? He's not, not everyone can relate to it. Uh, yeah. Because people uh, don't... Speaking of relating, like, this movie is spooky relatable to me. I can imagine. In a way that was, like, actually deeply unsettling. I can imagine <laughs> watching and taking notes about you mean mentally ill teenagers with horrible repressed with horrible repressed Catholic like, parents who like won't let them see anyone vet anyone for being a potential bad influence and then immediately write them off if literally anything happens like down to the making them destroy their music because their music is a bad influence like all of that is beat for beat and even like you know, totally taking me away from like my social circle. And then I'm trying to fucking off myself because I felt so helpless and alone. Right. It's almost like if you take away your child's entire support network, they're going to spiral out of control. It wasn't, as distressing of a movie as I was expecting it to be. No, because honestly for a movie called the Virgin suicides, it, has precious little actual discussion of suicide. Right. It was got a lot of rom-com vibes yeah, for it's a like, while. There's a suicide thing at the beginning and then rom-com vibes for like 45 minutes and then more suicide. It's like yeah. weird. weird. And like I, I didn't read the book and I think the it book. It definitely feels feels like a book adaptation. yeah i feel like the tone got missed a little bit or yeah. like it doesn't play as well because like i do like the like uh melancholy flashback I kind like of too. feeling yeah but it just like muted everything in a way that mm -hmm. i don't think helped make it read well for screen mm -hmm. um and yeah, there's a way like I think the parts of this movie that really shine are the parts with like a lot of narration yeah. where we're getting the kind of like filtered version of the story through like the boys next yeah. door kind of a la like the better parts of Sandlot yes. or something like that. Absolutely. I think it could be a lot more effective if there was more of that stuff, because honestly, this whole movie felt like it felt like a novel. And I don't think 
um, maybe a much better filmmaker could do it. But like, I don't, it doesn't feel like there's a good way to make this an adaptation and not make it feel like a novel. Yeah. So just like lean into it. And like for a film that is clearly a character study, the characters felt really flat. Yeah. Which really didn't help because like I didn't, especially with all of the sisters, like we only really care about Lux and have any kind of like arc of character building with Lux and the other three also commit suicide, but we don't see any of their pain. Right. And I think, um, part of that's probably like the movie thing of like just having to, you know, simplify for time and attention's sake. But I also like, that's a thing that could have worked. I think if it had been commented on, yeah. If because we are experiencing this story through the, you know, the not like not directly through the girls, but through observation. Right. If there had been some call out about like we wished we'd known them better or the one thing we knew about them was. And then right. we ran down like this is the one right. detail about them. That we know because we're just some fucking boys that happen to live next door. Right. It felt intentional, but not in a good, well done way. Yeah. 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 Like, I definitely, I can see, like, wanting to streamline it for film's sake. And, like, especially when you have five sisters. Yeah. I feel like the move would be to just cut a couple of them out. Yeah. Like, it just, like... (sighs) Even the youngest, who is the first one to die, mm-hmm. I feel like didn't get enough characterization for how important of a role she played in yeah. setting the tone for the rest of the movie and like setting the trom- the setting the traumatic event that this family goes through. Because mm-hmm. like, and even their mom, I feel like their mom's reaction to everything could have been bigger. Yeah, and like, because like. When she pulls them out of school, it seems a little bit, it's not shocking or like you can kind of see it coming with how Mm -hmm. she's been acting, but like it does seem very drastic for how active of a parent she has been and like how strict she has been because like Mm -hmm. it the only like clues that we get of her being strict are like the boys mentioning that it's like the only party that the girls have ever had or ever would or like how she has to like be convinced to let them go to the dance. But like, that's not uncharacteristic for parents. Like there are many parents who will pull that shit. It does feel like there could be more like ground laying, especially with how heavy the religious symbolism was throughout the movie and how like it was supposed seem like that was a big factor it didn't really play a big factor I throughout wonder, the movie. I wonder if the religiosity is supposed to just stand in for explaining mm. that they're strict parents without them actually having to do anything. Yeah. To show you that they're strict parents or just like, oh, well, obviously they're devout Christians, so obviously right. you know, they don't allow their kids to kiss boys or whatever. That means that I don't hate their father. I literally can't even he's such a like nothing I can't even remember him that's fair he is very nothing he is but he does push his wife to do things to make his girls happy yeah like he does try to get them to go to the dance to let them go to the dance but he also doesn't like when the principal comes and talks to him about like your kids have been out of school for two weeks and he's just like okay yeah. Which, like, your children have, if your wife is crazy, you are allowed to, you are clearly in some kind of emotional instability yeah. because of your wife's actions. Right. Like, you are allowed to ask for help. Yeah. But also, like, this is from the generation of, like, hands off male parenting. Right? That's true. Where, like, the male parent basically just, like, hands his kids over to his, you know, the, his co-parent and says, like, goodbye, I'll see you when you're adults. Like, 
Yeah, that's um, very true. Yeah. Yeah, because it was supposed it took place in the seventies. It feels like I don't I think I don't think maybe it's called out. Oh yeah, it is called out as being um nineteen seventy four. Okay. It's like this fashion was definitely seventies. So yeah, seventy four is kind of like pre satanic panic and this feels like this movie set ten years later is like a very different movie. Yes. You know, this movie set very in nineteen eighty four is like, you know, a much more harrowing probably film. Like yeah. I think the mother would be a lot more frantic. Yes. In that era than and I maybe that would play a little better and you know maybe it's just that you and i are not like especially gifted with like reading subtle intentions on people for whatever reason for whatever reason it might be yeah i and i just like film like subtlety in film has a place but when it comes to character development it's not really yeah and i feel like we have the same problem with wes anderson where right like the characters just feel flat mm. and not well constructed because everything's too subtle. Right. And it makes you not care about them. Right. Because they just feel like nothing. Yeah. Which is sort of how you end up feeling about all of the girls in this movie because they're so flat that like, you know, spoiler, when they all die at the end, like you kind of feel nothing. Yeah. Also, like I didn't see it coming Which, like, you would think with the title of The Virgin Suicides, you would have a bit more buildup to the suicides. But, like, again, I think because we are seeing it from an outside perspective. Right. It's, you know, the, like, from the boy's perspective of, like, the girls asking for help and, like, the shock of it. I can, like, I see what they were trying to do and I Mm -hmm. do like that. Mm -hmm. But because we are from such an outside perspective... Which, again, I think would be really interesting in a book, but not so interesting in film. Yeah. We're left with, like, where did this come from? Where did this come from? Yeah. They planned a quadruple suicide. Like a whole elaborate quadruple suicide, which is like, oh, my God. That takes so much work. So much work and planning. And, like, it just happens one night for whatever reason. Yeah, it's very weird. And maybe it was one of those things where, like, they had the plan for a long time and they just, like, decided that they were really going to do it. Yeah. You know? Oh, I, I, oh, I know. I was going to say, I think you probably are familiar with that, like, line of thought where you're like, I'm not going to do it, but. I know how I would do this it. This is how I would do it. Yeah, right. And then one day you're just like, well, I guess I'm fucking doing it. You yeah. Yeah. Which like and like I do think that that is probably a more accurate representation of how suicide happens. Yes. That I think too often we see it as this like really obvious slow downward spiral at the bottom of which is self-destruction. Right. But depression suicidal ideation whatever mental health isn't like that no it's not and a lot of the time when people kill themselves it's when they're in a manic moment and they finally have the energy and the clarity to have some follow-through where they haven't been able to because they were so depressed and because they've been so depressed, the only thing they can think to use that follow through for is like self-destruction. It very much is that like manic energy that really drives it. Cause like the week leading up to my last attempt was a fantastic week. Yeah. Like I was my, got some good grades back from tests that I was really anxious about. My roommates were actually talking to me for once, you know, things were going well, and it was the fact that things were going well right. and you still feel that exactly. like dread and that emptiness and numbness that right. you're like, well, if this even is if I can't feel like if I can't even feel good, good uh, even when everything falls into place and I can't feel good, yeah. what's the fucking point? Exactly. And I think 
I think it definitely like is a more realistic depiction. I do really appreciate and I think even with the youngest ones suicide and her like double attempt back to back Mm -hmm. is very realistic in a way that we don't really talk about of like just because you make it through one attempt doesn't mean you're fixed safe yeah that certainly wasn't the case for me no not at all and it just like having that conversation of you take your eyes off of someone for a moment and they're gone yeah is was i think one of the reasons it was such a hard opening scene because it was as a person who deals with suicidal ideation and with depression was so very true mm-hmm. and especially like the way that she was talking to a doc the doctor and how he was like you're 13 how do you have problems right which god don't I, say to people i literally had a therapist when i was a teenager say that exact same thing to me which is what do you even have problems about quit whining like how could you possibly have problems you're a teenager which her response to was beautiful and just her line was like obviously doctor you've never been a 13 year old girl right. which is so true because like basically what i told my doctor because <laughs> <laughs> like and we've talked about this before and like no one is left at the end of childhood without trauma growing up is it traumatic sucks. yeah and when you are dealing with mental health issues on top of that, like and 13 year olds are mean. Yeah. They're awful. They're awful. And being stuck in that world with a brain that doesn't work is hell. Yeah. And dismissing it because someone's too young to have existential dread because they bullshit yeah i know plenty of kids who like my students who are nine and ten have a sense of what the fuck yeah i think especially kids now probably um have it more than than any other kids because the world is like literally on fire and yeah it's and the fact that we fucking fascists i know the fact that we dismiss children's cries for help because because they're children they're children and we see them as being dramatic and overly emotional because we don't take their emotional state seriously it's like it's literally just an excuse like it's the same thing as like you know people in in bygone generations saying that like you could treat people of color a certain way because they're not real people right. or you could treat women a certain way because they're not real people. It's just an excuse to abuse and exploit. Like saying someone isn't like a real person is only ever an excuse to like abuse and exploit. Yeah, children are a minority class and are treated as such. Yeah. And because we Because they can't contribute monetarily to the exactly. GDP so they're not real. Because you know they don't ha- live in the same society as we do so instead of like actually adopting and adapting right. to make sure that their worlds and their well-being is taken care of and that we can understand them better because we're the fucking adults and can do that. Right. We just write them off as being over dramatic and you know trivial. Right. And that's how we have such a fucking high rate of child of suicide and yeah. children. Well, and like I have a note specifically like getting back to the thing about being a teenage girl, like 13, 12, 13, 14 is in my experience from AFAB people I've talked to generally around the age when men start to act gross toward you and or cat call you. Yup. Um, and I can imagine that growing up as an AFAB person, realizing literally the second you hit puberty, that suddenly you are a slab of meat that everyone is just trying to take home and, you know, fry up like that might make it 
difficult to want to continue living in a society that treats you that way. Especially if paired with religious parents who push like purity culture right. and all of that nonsense right. and like don't don't teach allow you, you to own it in any way. Right. And like don't give you any sense of bodily autonomy. Right. Because your value is connected to the cleanliness of your body. Right. And it just reinforces that like pre- predator prey mentality. Exactly. That that ingrains that level of like fear and distance from everyone in your life, especially men. Yeah. Because they can only ever be treated as like predators who are trying to take something from you. Yeah. 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 That 13 to 15 is rough yeah and we need to make sure our kids have access to therapy because yeah we say this all the time like that is the age when education should take a backseat to like self-development yes because it's so hard to just exist in those years much less like retain information yeah like as someone who's gone through puberty twice (laughs) and both kinds the way that hormones fuck with your brain and the fact that you are still expected to sit through class and absorb more information yeah. is absolutely bullshit. It's yeah, it's awful. We should what you should be learning is how to help self-regulate your emotions, mm-hmm. uh, how to process your emotions, how to build your own boundaries and say no, how to figure out who you are, what you want to look like and dress like and talk like and act like. And like, cause all of that stuff is changing so fast when you're that age. Yeah. And I don't know, for me, I kind of felt like by the time I had a second to stop and think about any of that stuff, the time had already passed. Yeah. And suddenly I was in college. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, 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 wait a second. Now a bunch of stuff has happened that I didn't want, but I never had the time to stop and think about it. So now I'm just stuck as a person I don't really like. Don't happen. <laughs> but I think that happens to everyone. I think, it like, does. I think, I think it does. that is an essential struggle of the education system being the way it is, which is why I think it's so important to like burn it to the ground and start over. Exactly. Burn it all. Just when you and I eventually become accredited educators. Yes. With all of our many advanced degrees. Oh, it'll be lovely. We are going to just do a podcast about education. Yes. Where we'll have on like educators and scientists and stuff and just talk about like how to rebuild the education system because like it is slowly creeping into like everything we talk about. Someone accidentally asked me about how I would restructure the education system. Oh, they made a mistake. Oh, you've accident you've activated my special interest. Yeah. Yeah, and so I t- I told them my like everything and it scared them off. <laughs> yeah. It's like no, I've put real thought into this. Like this is like as someone who didn't fit the regular school mold in multiple ways Mm -hmm. and who had to suffer moving through it and always feeling like I was failing at every aspect of my life. Mm -hmm. We need to completely restructure it and give people time to adjust and figure it out. Like hell, these girls should have been going to mandatory counseling through their school because their sister killed herself. Yeah, for sure. Like, this is not like, and in most schools, they would not just go back to class like normal. Yeah. There would be like Some, at least a social worker stepping in. Yeah. Cause like, but again, like this was the seventies, like right. mental health was not a thing that anyone took seriously. No, I'm reading this book, the body keeps the score, which is kind of a hit, a look at the history of the study of trauma and the, at least the first couple chapters have been like the evolution of studying trauma from like the seventies to the nineties and like the pharmaceutical revolution through it. And in the seventies, like trauma was not a thing. Right. And especially for people who were not combat vets. Right. Yeah, I I think that vets coming back from Vietnam 
was sort of the first time as a culture we really dealt with trauma and PTSD in any real way. And even then, it was restricted to combat vets. It was. Uh, The author of this book talks about, because he was was working in the VA at -hmm, first, mm -hmm. working with vets and, like, trying to, like, figure out what was going on because it wasn't schizophrenia as everyone, like, any kind of traumatic disorder was just gets labeled schizophrenia because like ptsd wasn't even a thing yet right and then when ptsd became a thing slowly studying it and then he moved into like a medical center somewhere else and seeing patients who dealt with childhood abuse and Mm -hmm. uh sexual assault and all that and seeing the exact same things as you see in combat vets right but because they haven't been in combat no one's taking it seriously. seriously yeah because trauma doesn't affect us if it's not violence. Yeah. Or I should say direct violence because like most trauma is violent, but like direct physical harm is not always the cause for. And like with, with a war and especially with Vietnam, a largely very unpopular war, and every war since, a very unpopular war. Um, like, it's easy to point a finger at something as the cause of that trauma and say, gosh, wow, I really wish you hadn't had to go to war. Right. It sucks that the war traumatized you. But to acknowledge that children are traumatized by being hit. Yeah. Children are traumatized by having their food restricted from a young age, you know, a hundred million things right. that can from- tra- traumatize children. Like that doesn't have a fun, easy scapegoat. Like the, the devil in that situation is us. Like yeah. it's parents, it's teachers, it's the society at large that doesn't allow people, small growing people to like, actually grow into the people that they're meant to be yeah we are doing such a good job not talking about this movie i mean (laughs) it's such a plot light movie i know most of my notes are like lightning round stuff yeah because it's like this is such a plot light movie it's like we can talk about suicide we could talk about depression and then we could do a lightning round (laughs) exactly (laughs) this is another one of those like I feel like every other movie we watch is is one of these a period piece about when boomers were young and yeah. like how they feel like everything was great even though it was actually fucking Awful. terrible. Yeah, it's again boomers showing their ass that Cuz like as much as this movie has a melancholy feel to it, it also definitely has like a reverence for the time period and kind of a nostalgia for it absolutely does the seventies. Um, yeah, it really does. And like it plays into that classic trope of it was a simpler time and there was less to worry about where it's, and then it shows you this story of it wasn't simple. No one cared. Right. Right. It wasn't that it was simple. It was that no one was paying attention. Yeah. To this, all this horrible shit that was going on. And like, yeah, I mean, that is the, that is the fundamental problem with all nostalgia ever. Right. right? Like, here comes the fucking red flag. But like, <laughs> I this, mean, we're 40 minutes in. That's, that's pretty, pretty long. good. But like, that is the problem with, you know, make America great again. Yes. Is that like America was never great. We just weren't listening to people of color and women and gay people for them to tell us that it wasn't great. Yeah. And now we have to listen. And that makes a lot of people really uncomfortable that we have to listen to people who have criticism. You mean we have to listen to people's opinions that don't match with our own? Right. And that makes a lot of people really uncomfortable. And they've never dealt with it. That's why they'd rather just dream about a time when that wasn't the case. Yeah. 
fuck boomers, man. Like, seriously, let go of the fucking wheel and let us take over. It's our, we're, like, I'm so sick of the infantilization of millennials. Right. Who are, like, in our 30s and 40s now. Yeah. Of, like, no, this is the time where we're, like, we're still, like, minorities in most of our political systems. Right. Even though we are the working class right now. Right. We are the workforce. And yet we make none of the rules. Yeah. And we get, and, like, fucking Gen Z is making more of a stir, which I am so proud of them. Yeah. And, like, I am so excited to watch them burn down the world. But, like, the fact that, like, it has been, like, a constant thing throughout most of our life that we have always been these young children who were ungrateful and, yeah, you know, don't know how the world works because we dare dream of something bigger and better than what our parents right. had. Well, and also because, like, conveniently, they destroyed the economy and like lightly the entire world thanks Reagan. right before we were born yeah like yeah reagan destroyed the economy and then it just got worse yeah millennials started being born like immediately thereafter and things have just literally always been terrible for us because we gutted the middle class to hand the money to billionaires and we've just kept doing it over and over and over. And now fucking Citizens United means that like no one, no human being ever gets to decide politics again. Like just big dark money decides politics forever. Someday I will be in some other country and it will be lovely. After the youngest girl kills herself... But before the girls are pulled out of school, mm-hmm. everyone is kind of like watching them. Everyone's right. like buzzing around trying to see like if there's any sign of what ha- went wrong or like if they can right. learn anything. And I have this note in my notes and like I feel really strongly about it um, that like mentally ill. I don't realize I was so emotional about this, but like mentally ill people. Most of the time, we have to be just people. Yeah. Like, you can't, even if you are depressed all the time, you can't just be depressed all the time. Like, you still have to feed yourself. You still have to go to work. You still have to survive in the world. So, like, yeah, even though I'm depressed, even though I may have, like, you know, self-harmed literally yesterday like i'm still gonna put on a happy face and go to school and do my school work because like i still have to live we're really good at hiding our shit yeah because and that doesn't mean that it's not real no like i just i get frustrated when people are like well if you can do this one day then you're like can't you just do it all the time no it's like no you don't understand like like a person just, who's in chronic pain. Like, right. just because I can do this doesn't mean I'm not in pain doing it. Having, being functionally mentally ill is such a fucking mind fuck. Yeah. Because <laughs> you have this massive amount of imposter syndrome around your own mental health of like, well, I can go to work every day and I can feed myself. So maybe I'm not that sick. Maybe I'm not in crisis. Right. And then the slightest inconvenience happens. Yeah. You miss your bus. Your favorite pair of jeans is dirty and you can't wear them that day. You know, the bath water isn't the right temperature, whatever. And it's the end of the world. Yeah. Especially as an autistic person with mental health issues, I learned how to mask my pain and my mental health issues so fucking well. Yeah. And because something was wrong with me. I knew something was wrong with me. For sure. And no one else acted this way, so I was not allowed to. And I shouldn't. And I shouldn't. And having to deal with that and then having people call you know go like oh her suicide was a cry for help of course it fucking was yeah 
Like, like she wouldn't have killed herself if, like, there hadn't it hadn't seemed hopeless to no. get help any other way. And like, our the way we ask for help is not us having a breakdown, come crying to you, because that's not how our brains work. That's not, yeah, you know, like at least in my experience, I don't like to let people into my meltdowns. Like, yeah. it feels Same. too personal. Yeah, and it's no one else's fucking business. So my ask for helps and like, so when I ask for help and my cry for helps are, you know, ask like being social yeah, and you know, it's a lot more subtle and having people watch admitting to having mental health issues and then watching people watch you for the cracks is awful. Yeah. And I already feel like a zoo animal half the time because of my queerness. I don't need to add it to right i don't need to add to the fucking otherness that i am yeah and then two notes that i have that are related which is reading a girl's diary does not mean that you understand women no it just taught you fucking empathy and that's about it that's a big mood in this movie yeah right it's like that's a funny runner we see in movies a lot where like a, a boy often like a teenage boy will like read a girl's diary or like you know get some glimpse into her life and suddenly is like struck with the very concept of empathy and it like changes his life and it's like wow you could have wow that you've not encountered empathy before your whole life that's no fucking horrifying that it yeah. never occurred to just put yourself in someone else's shoes and feel what they're feeling right and the other thing is um there's a quote where um the narrator says we learned that they knew everything about us and we knew nothing about them. And I wrote that's because like women and girls are forced to learn how to navigate men in order to literally survive yeah. in society. It's like it's a survival method. We cannot not know how men work no. because that is how you have violence like enacted upon you. No. The fact that men consider women alien creatures that they right. can't understand drives me fucking nuts well, and, and doesn't like, make any sense to me. It's a thing we've talked about before where where privilege blinds you to the experiences of the unprivileged. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Where like you're a man and you have male privilege and you just never even occurs to you that other people non-men might not feel safe everywhere they go or have to be concerned about being in a parking lot after dark or et cetera, et cetera. Like right. in the same way that you can be a white person and it never occurs to you that you have white privilege and that you should listen to people of color when they talk about how hard it is. Yup. Anyway. Yeah. And now people of color aren't allowed to have that same leeway to not know about whiteness and white culture and no. how white people function because they have to survive it. Yeah, exactly. The whole imbalance of like women having women and femmes having to know intimately how men's brains work and men being confused about how women ask for help. Yeah. You know, or why it would be frustrating that they have to ask them to help out all the time. Yeah. Is such absolute bullshit and yeah like the fact that you haven't taken a single moment in your entire life to think about how other people feel yeah it it doesn't compute it's mind-boggling it absolutely is and it's just like i don't understand how you can live in the world and not care about other people and other people's experience i don't either or like how like in the same way that the mentality of i suffered so you have to suffer yeah where like i i suffered therefore i don't want anyone else to have to yeah exactly so like what why where does that come from yeah. and why does that have to be the way it is it seems very strange it to seems me. very strange to me all right should we do a lightning round let's do a lightning round 
This like awkward Christian party seems fucking horrible. Like this is one of the things I'm glad I missed out on about like Christian upbringing. Yeah. I'm glad I never had any like awkward chaperoned Christian parties because my friends and I just knew well enough that no parties could ever occur at my house. Right. Like nothing could ever occur at my house because it had to be like heavily monitored. Right. So I just was never at my house, (laughs) which is another thing. Like that is what this encourages. Like if you are like an autocrat and constantly surveilling your kid, then like, your kid is going to make themselves real scarce real fast. Yeah. The opening scene uh, where they're dealing with the youngest suicide attempts is so utterly quiet. Yeah. It just like set my nerves on end in such a like interesting way that I like really pulled me in it like in a horror movie way Mm -hmm. almost. Yeah. That I think that's why I was so disappointed with the tone of the rest of the movie. Because you had this really interesting choice in yeah. the beginning. And like that made it feel like you were going to get into like some cool character yeah. building. And some, and then it yeah. just starts really strong. It kind of like sucks the air out of the room. You're just like, oh yeah, we're going to sit down and we're going to watch this movie. And then bam, it just like punches you in the gut. And then that's the only time you get that. again until the like very Very end end. yeah this poor tree in their front yard i know what did this poor tree do like one of the first scenes is them filling the tree with cement or something i think i have thought about that since and i think that is meant to indicate that the cement is meant to indicate that they knew the tree was sick and they were trying to like patch it or fix it. Okay. Which is not how you do that. No. Pouring cement into a tree will not help the tree. And also the tree thing is like kind of a broad philosophical runner. Yeah. In this movie. And I don't feel it's one of these like boomer end of the age of innocence things where it's like, these teen girl suicides woke us up to like the real world. And also at the same time, all of our elm trees started dying and like physically changed our city. I don't know. It has a real like MAGA kind of vibe to it. Yeah, it does. You know what I mean? Like it it has a real like fascist nostalgia kind of like, this is before the cities were, were brown. You know, it's like, it feels bad it feels bad it makes and like again we don't really talk about how it could be this runner or like like a metaphor for what's going on so it just gets mentioned at the very beginning like this is the summer before all the elm trees started dying and then and then at the very end it's like well that was broke then the elm trees all died it's like what what is this about it feels like it's a commentary on like integration and like the progression of culture and it feels bad. It does. It feels bad. Cuz I was thinking about it and like my parents are exactly the same age as the girls in this movie, right? Like yeah. 1974, my parents were, you know, like 12 and 16 yeah. or something. My parents were 14 and thir- and like 12, 14. Yeah. yeah. So like they're exactly this age. It, yeah. It weird. Very, it feels very weird. Poor AJ Cook has like always had suicidal sisters in all of her <laughs> projects. <laughs> we both were like, AJ Cook. <laughs> There's the scene where they're going to their youngest daughter's funeral, Mm -hmm. but they're stopped because of a picket line outside the cemetery. Yeah. That is never explained. Never explained. They just cross the picket line and there's never any discussion of what the strike was about. What is the point? I don't even remember 
what the signs said I don't, or anything. I don't think you got a clear view of the signs because I think the whole point was like they were willing to let him pass because it was a teenage girl who died or whatever. Right. But, but like. How many employees do you have at the cemetery? I know. That's what I was like. Are these cemetery employees who are like striking? Because then if you're going to cross the picket line, like who's going to bury your kid if the (laughs) cemetery workers are striking? You're just going to leave her in a casket around for some time until someone decides to come like lower the thing down and close the vault and bury her like you're in michigan there are raccoons do you know how clever (laughs) raccoons are they will figure out how to unlatch that thing raccoons aren't actually that clever they're just uh they're just determined they just are (laughs) they're stubborn little bastards stubborn yeah oh i i wrote were you ever really a teenager were you ever even a teenager if you never drank peach schnapps directly out of the bottle? Probably like in the back of somebody's car or underneath the bleachers. I can't say I ever drank peach schnapps out of the bottle, but I've definitely had peach schnapps. Yeah. Uh, peach schnapps should like is basically designed for children. Like I've right? never even really used like with like the exception of like maybe like a fuzzy navel or something like I've never used it in an actual cocktail. No. It's literally it may as well be called like baby's first alcohol <laughs> juice. <laughs> like what's the big mouth bit about the like cotton candy brandy. Right. Yeah, oh. It might as well be cotton candy brandy. Chip, the love interest mm-hmm. of Lux, I think has got gay dads. I think so. Yeah, he. I think when we meet them, it seems like he has gay dads because they're giving him advice on how to woo a woman, and yeah. it's good. It's decent advice. I'm coming from gay dads. It's great advice, and they're standing way too close to be straight. Yeah, and it's never commented on. It's not like it's also not treated as strange. No, but for a movie that's set in the '70s, it's like, wait, what's what? happening? What? what? Okay. They looked very gay. I like. I guess I have met people, you know, our age, my age, who have gay parents. So like, it it, it obviously it, happened. It just like is a weird thing. I don't think of like that being a thing that was allowed until very recently. What is it saying that there is better gay representation in the Virgin Suicides than there is in any Wes Anderson film? <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, there's no gay people in any Wes Anderson movie nope. at all. I was going to take a shot about this girl, Lux, having sex on the football field. And then I remembered that in high school, I definitely used to throw around a disc with my girlfriend at the the field behind our school and then um, make out in that same field. So I have no position from which to throw stones. Uh, I can throw stones because I had no life in high school. <laughs> you can find a better place. Right? It definitely you, feels the like... The middle of the football field. Yeah, I was not at least in like the middle I found a spot on the edge of the field or whatever also it's homecoming it's not warm no it's homecoming's like October and you just slept slept in a dress the fuck is wrong with you weird we have this we've had this happen in a few other movies and I still think it's weird and I don't understand why this is a theme that keeps happening about siblings making out with people next to each other next to each other I don't understand. There's nothing in the world. I love my brother like nobody else in the world. Uh, You could not pay me (laughs) at any point in our development. Now as adults, as teenagers, at no point in our development, could you have paid me a stack of money to watch my brother make out with his girlfriend? Barf! Yeah, I I don't get it. I don't get it. It grosses me out. Yeah. Now, as opposed to the football field sex, the the later after they're stuck in the house, the sex on the roof does (laughs) seem kind of fun, actually. That does seem fun. Because then at least you're off the ground. You don't have to deal with like dew and bugs and stuff. But roof tiles. But there's, yeah, sure, there's roof tiles. You lay down a blanket for sure. Yeah, that's fair. 
And there's the whole angle situation. You can't get too into it and lose track of your footing. But you got a nice view of the sky. Right. At least you can see the sky. Yeah. I don't know. Just seemed just seemed fun. <laughs> the soundtrack of this movie is great. It's so good. I love the music and the use of music and the like near the end where they start making analog playlists for each yeah, other over the phone, oh, like playing records back and forth over the phone. That's so fucking precious. It's so fucking cute. Also, like the relationship that these uh, next door neighbor boys have with this this family of girls is upsetting. It's fucking creepy. It's I'm going to wear your skin behavior. Yeah, it's real creepy. It's terrifying. Yeah. Someone should have been called about them like a long time ago. Where are your parents? Where are the police? Yeah. This is upsetting. These are teenage girls. And you're watching them every moment of every day. And taking their stuff out of the trash can. Yeah. And I don't like it. No, it's bad. It's bad. My last note which is also like kind of the big moral of this movie is like a thing that a drum that i will beat until the day i die which is humans are a social species we function in groups we developed a society and civilization and you know this vast network of like of living everywhere on the planet because we are able to and we work best in concert with each other we can only function to our maximum potential when we're able to interact with a lot of other people of different kinds around us and like depriving people of that for punishment is fundamentally depriving them of the core experience of being a human being and is fundamentally evil. We consider solitary confinement as one of the most horrendous things that someone can go through when they're in prison. That does not change because someone is a child. Right. Taking away their entire support network, taking away any social bonds that they have created is going to end badly. Yeah. If not... It can only end badly. It can only end badly. If it... At best, it's the relationship between you and your kid that is ruined forever. Right. At worst, you lose that kid. Yeah. And... It is... It is one of the most terrifying things to go through as a child. Yeah. And... And... It's always easier to mourn the loss of who you thought your child was than it is to mourn the actual death of your child. Yeah. Yeah. Learning to love your child for who they are is so much easier. Than visiting them at their gravesite. Yeah. Yeah.